Hey, 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 Black Tribers, we are back. Actually, I am back. This is Gary. Obviously, I am sitting in my living room in Colorado Springs, Colorado. We just returned from an incredible trip. Big shout out to Nano and Aaron and the tribe down in Costa Rica. Uh, we just got back from Costa Rica, had an incredible time, one of the best weeks of our life. Uh, we've been um, off a bit getting through the semester at G42. It was insane. Uh, as you guys probably know that follow us a bit, uh, Zach got really sick, one of our staff at G42, and had to go back to Wisconsin. We had a few breakouts of COVID. And so just working through all that, um, Lisa and Morgan and I and Megan and Zach, we all carried a ton trying to keep things rolling and moving and, and going well. And so we've been off a bit, but we are back. Um, we are excited for the year. Uh, we've got a new website that'll be coming out here in the next week or so. We have um, our Patreon exclusive material. If you're listening to this, you're listening to it on Apple or on SoundCloud on our podcast. If you're watching me, which I hope you are, you're watching this on our Patreon, which you get an early release. You get exclusive content, an early release of all of our podcasts, their, their videos, vlogs. Um, and you get to have all of our information. Uh, so GaryandLisaBlack.com is still working. We're still coaching, but we're doing it very limited. We're, we're going to be doing courses this, this year. And um, our, our first course will be ready in the next few weeks on the heart. And uh, you can take that course. We're going to do premarital um, uh, courses. We're going to do marriage for boomers, marriage for Xers courses. We're just coming out with all kinds of stuff. And so, look, we're, we're really excited. But I want to talk today uh, about um, two things. It's amazing to me, this whole, you know, counterculture, this whole cultural stuff going on, um, that in the church, we have been really coddled. Uh, for the last few generations, um, all I knew growing up, and I'll just say this from my personal experience, was I had an incredible pastor. Pastor Dick Douglas uh, went to the same church for years and years and years, uh, and he was an awesome pastor. He was tough. Uh, he brought some good messages, um, and, he, and he was just an awesome uh, influence in my life. And I loved him, and, he was, and, and it was incredible. But what we've done, especially in the American church, is... We've made our churches about one gift, about the pastoral gift. And you guys know we've talked about this a lot. But um, the other thing we've done really poorly is activating people. So we have just learned how we go to church on Sunday morning. We sit. It's good worship. It feeds our soul. It's not necessarily spirit. There's not a lot of spirit worship out there. Uh, it feeds our soul. So we feel good. Our emotions are fed in our soul. Um, and, and we get a good message. Sometimes it's a great message. Sometimes the pastor, there's a couple of pastors here in Colorado Springs now that are pure teachers in the Ephesians four gifts. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, they're just really good teachers. Um, and they hit spirit sometimes and your spirit man goes, Oh yes, I can resonate with that. And, and so I was, I was wrestling with some of that in Costa Rica. And I, I, I did a post yesterday on Facebook and I, I want to read it to you. Um, and because I got a lot of really interesting responses, a bunch of shares and a lot of likes, whatever. Um, I don't, I mean, it's fun to get those, obviously I love it. Um, but I just want people to think 
And so, but it's interesting is that because we're so coddled and all we've known, and I'll say this to my generation, to X, to Z, all we've really known, boomers, honestly, too, is the pastoral side, the, the shepherd, the guy that will leave the 99 to get the one. Incredibly important, unbelievably important. And it's usually around a charismatic guy uh, that can build a big church and create some jobs. And all of that's really beautiful. And, and listen, it's the bride of Christ. Listen, guys, I'm for the bride. I love that we are the church, that when I gather with two or three, I'm having church. I haven't been personally through a church door unless I'm preaching in many, many years because I'm constantly having church. I never stop. I have become the church. I don't go to church. I, I, I go from church. And so, uh, you know, with G42, with the world race, with all the things we do, we're constantly going through scriptures and activating and prophesying and teaching. And we're just constantly doing what the church does. And then I like to do it in a pub. I like to sit with somebody and let the Holy Spirit speak to me and prophesy over them and see their hearts come alive and see them want more of Jesus. And, And so I just think we are the church. We become the church and I'm all for the church. I know there's a lot of really great churches out there. I know a lot of you go to great churches. When I say things like I did yesterday and I'm going to read it to you. Instantly, a lot of my religious folks, and again, I don't mean that in such a real negative way, although I'm a James 127 guy, the only pure good religion is when we're taking care of the widows and the orphans, and we're not conforming or being like the world. And I'm going to talk about Romans 12 too, and some things about transformation. Um, but when you when we say something prophetically, or maybe even apostolically, or something that we're not used to, we instantly go to defense mode. You must be against the church, Gary, because you said this, or you must be against Christianity because you said this. We have been trained because all we've known is pastoral shepherding, making sure everybody's always okay. That mothering, nurturing spirit, which is a beautiful spirit. And we desperately need it in the body of Christ. And I'm not anti-pastors in any way. They're a vital, vital part. They're just not the only part. And that's what we've made them. And so I hope you hear that clear. But when I when you when we say anything that's that doesn't fit our little clean box of how we've been trained and taught and we question anything, maybe scripturally or evangelically or anything, uh, we, we instantly go to defense mode and instantly go to criticism, which if you go look at my post, you'll see some of that on there. Um, and it's it's funny to me. And it's what the world has done. We've conformed to the world. It's the absolute opposite of what Romans 12, 2 says of not conforming that what, what Paul really meant there. And what we've done in the church is we've conformed to go to defense, to go to anti, to, to you, if you're not for me, you're against me. And it's a, it's a spirit. It's a, it's a critical underlining coddling spoiled spirit that's in the body of Christ right now. And I want to challenge you on this. I want you to ask yourself the question. I had it for years. I was sitting with one of my guys the other day, he's 37, 38 years old. And he's, he's very critical about the church right now. He's been burnt. He ran with all the big guys, the same people that I used to run with. And he was sexually abused by some of those people. He was emotionally abused by some very well-known names that you would know if I mentioned them through the years. He's got an incredible leadership gift on him and he's seen a lot, but he's been damaged. And a lot of us have been. And in this whole movement right now, this kind of desert deconstructive movement 
um, people are really critical of it or the people that are going through the deconstruction are becoming too critical of the church. And, and, the, and the key in all of this, guys, is that we keep one foot in and one foot out. We keep one foot out here questioning and challenging things, reading scripture from a different perspective. Why was Jesus writing this? Who was he talking to? It's like First Peter 3. If you've listened to that podcast uh, on women and, and them having to submit to men, the way that immature, insecure pastors have taught that from the pulpit has damaged the body of Christ. And, and we are, are responsible to bring truth to what Jesus was saying in Scripture, his truth, not our truth. And so that's what I want to challenge. So let me read you this real quick. And I want I just want you to and it's really nothing. I was just sitting here getting ready to watch entertainment tonight with my wife. Yes, I'm carnal. And, um, and this thought came to my mind and I jotted it down and I posted it. And, and here's what it says. It says, man, if I can just encourage you, do not sell yourself out on the institutional church. It's a place to go be fed and that's it. So don't be sold out. Just, oh God, it's just the church. It's the church. It's my church. It's that church on the corner. That's the only church that matters. And we, we make it into an idol. Uh, and, and a lot of churches have become institutional. And, and they be, so they become this thing within themselves. They're kind of inbred. There's not a lot of outreach. It's about the, the good coffee and the right smoke machine and, and all the right things. And we don't even realize we do it when we're in the church. And again, not being critical, just being honest about what the church has turned into. Not all churches have turned institutional. They have not just gone into their own little thing. There are some really free-flowing, beautiful, amazing expressions of the body of Christ all over the world blowing up, going like gangbusters. And I love it. And I love the immature church. I love the institutional church. I love the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, because it is his bride. We are his bride. Can we call out some things on those? Can we question some of that? hundred percent, guys, you have to. It's kind of like the Acts church. We've all like, oh, let's get back to the Acts church. Well, the Acts Church was amazing. There was no one in need. You know, everybody's everybody was taken care of. It was kind of like the Israelites when they were in the desert. They had no needs. They were they were fed. Their shoes never wore out. But they camped in 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 places like bitterness and in places like lust. They'd camp out and stay and complain uh, because it just wasn't good enough. If our churches today were like what the Israelites had in the desert it would be the most supernatural, amazing thing on the planet. I mean, the supernatural was flowing. There was miracles. There was all kinds of, that was kind of like the Acts Church. Nobody was in need. It was growing. It was strong. But if you've read some books recently of some revelation on the Acts Church and people really studying, studying it, there were flaws. All humans are flawed. We see things half, they're all dim. We, see, we don't see things fully clearly. We won't until we are actually ushering heaven back to earth one day. And so the Acts Church empowered the poor. The Acts Church did some things that they shouldn't have done. And I promise you that Peter and Paul and all the guys would agree with that if you got to sit down and talk with them. And so all I was saying is, look, if you're just idolizing the institutional church and defending it, and this fits in your little clean box, you might want to question that. So I said, guys, I just want to encourage you, do not sell yourself out on the institutional church. It's a place to go and be fed, and that's it. Do not sell yourself out on revival. 
Revival has, has never last, ever, never lasted post-generationally. And again, we've talked about this. The Moravians went a hundred years. It was more about social justice than it was a spiritual revival, but it was incredible. It was beautiful. And revival is amazing. I want revival. I witness revival often. I prophesied over the bartender at old Chicago the other night and the Lord told me she's in transition. Tell her. And I, and I only get one little phrase or one little word. And I said, you know, sweetheart, you're in transition. And the Lord says, you're carrying your mom's burdens. And the rest of it came. She started weeping and sobbing. We, we were able to lay hands on her, Morgan and Lonnie and I, and a few others lay hands, pray for her. I see her all the time. Now that to me was a revival of her heart. She was reminded of how good God is and how much he loves her and that she was born to be loved. That's revival. But when we say, I'm selling everything, we're going to go find revival. This is it. That's an idol. Revival happens to your next door neighbor. Revival isn't something that we sell everything out and make an idol. That's all I was trying to say. I love revival. Okay. Do not sell yourself out on revival. No revival except for the Moravians is is lasted post-generationally. It always fizzles out and goes away. It's supposed to. Revivals aren't supposed to last. I'm going to actually preach about that this this summer at a a big conference with 2,500 people. I'm going to talk to them about transformation, not just revival or reformation. So do not sell yourself on revival. No revivals ever last. Do not sell yourself even on reformation. It's amazing, but it doesn't bring complete change. The church needs reform. I love reformation. I want to be reformed all the time, right? Daily reforming my heart, but don't make it an idol. And the last part is sell yourself on Jesus and him transforming your life through pain, period. Let me read that again. If you're going to sell yourself out to anything, don't sell yourself out to your church. Go bless your church. Love them. Speak life about them. Speak life about the church. It's the bride of Christ. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Don't idolize it. Don't make it your idol. Don't don't make revival your idol. We've got to get revival. We've got to go. Jesus knows what he's doing. He doesn't need us. He, he wants to co-partner with us with hearts that are soft and pure, but he doesn't need us. Okay. And then reformation, right? We don't need a huge reformation. We want reformation daily in our lives. Sell yourselves out on Jesus and him transforming your life through pain. I got a lot of criticism from that last point from some of my good old World Race America people, different people that said to me, you only think that you can be transformed through pain, that Jesus, Holy Spirit can't transform you other ways. That's simply not true. I know Holy Spirit can transform me any of any way that he wants to. He can choose any route, any, he can choose a flower. He can use a dog. In fact, my dog does transform my life. Sometimes it makes my heart very happy. He can use anything he wants. My point is this, because we've been pastored so over the top, we've been coddled by our parents because they didn't want us to feel any pain. We've been over pastured in our churches. So we haven't known any pain. All all we are is getting shepherd, 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 right? What Jesus does is he allows pain to come in our lives. He, He takes his hands off and he allows pain to come. What we do with that pain is huge. Pain, if you allow it to be, is the greatest teacher. He promises us all through the New Testament. He says when he when he says to go get Paul, remember when Saul gets knocked down, and it's not, it wasn't a name change. It was just Hebrew and Greek. And he's Paul. 
And then, and, and, and Jesus says, let's go, go get him. I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. I believe that's Acts 9. He promises that we will suffer and go through tribulation and trials and that we will overcome. The only way that we overcome, though, guys, is if we'll own that pain. If we'll allow that pain to actually transform us into a different person. And so then the question is, can people change? Not very often, if I'm honest. Okay, let's just be really brutally honest with each other. Normally, we do a lot of coaching, as you guys know. We've been doing ministry for 30 years with young people. Most people will not change because they don't want to. They don't want to go through the pain of change. The only thing that can knock you from the first half of life, and this is Richard Rohr, and again, love about 80% of what he teaches, spit out at least 20, sometimes 30. This week in his daily devotionals, don't agree with anything that he's saying much. Uh, It's okay to chew on the meat and spit out the bones. Okay, that's okay. So what he teaches, though, and I agree with this a hundredfold, the only thing that'll shake you from being stuck in the first half of life is some kind of suffering, some kind of death in your life. Michael, as you guys know, that have been listening to our podcast, shook me from my first half of life and helped me to step into a transform second half of life where I didn't need to be the man anymore. I didn't need to be on stage. I didn't need to make all the money. I needed to make everyone else around me through discipleship and hiddenness better than I am. That's what transformed people do. So when you meet somebody who's defensive and critical and always tearing down everybody else just because they don't agree with them, which is what a lot of you Christians do, just like you've conformed to the world, just like the world does. If you're not Democrat, then you are an asshole. You're an idiot. You should go to hell. I've heard Republicans say that Democrats could never go to heaven because they believe in abortion and all the other things that they believe in. None of that's true, guys. Politics isn't the point. The kingdom is the point. But when you can't listen to somebody else's point of view because you've been overcoddled and spoiled and you have to defend every single time. Now, again, scripture is very clear. Defend the scriptures. Defend your faith. Right. But we don't defend them by being anti or against someone. We defend them from a transformed place of our hearts, loving people really well into truth, which is what I'm trying to do right now for a lot of you. Love you really well to look at scripture a little differently than you've looked at, love you really well to say you don't have to be right just so that you feel comfortable and in control. And that's really what this thing is. It all stems from a, a place of fear. We get into fear because it doesn't fit into our little box and our little thing. And then we go into defense mode and we have to defend and prove just so we feel secure again and, 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 we're, and we're not fearful over here. Guys, the best thing you could ever do is for everything you've ever been taught and told to blow up. When Michael died, when my first wife decided to leave and commit adultery and do the things that happened, all of those things are are such a gift because it blew my world and shook my world. I'm going to have a few more of those in my life. And, And it shakes me to the core to where I run to the man Jesus because of what he did for me on the cross, not because I get to go to heaven one day, because this man Jesus gave me everything. I'm going to give him everything back. And this man, Jesus, conquered death so that I can conquer death. So not only do I conquer death by being in heaven one day with him, which is awesome and amazing. It's not the point, but it's beautiful and I love it. 
The point is, is that I get to bring him heaven down to earth every day with everyone that I meet, that I get to bring transformation to the people that I am allowed to disciple, that I get to continually work on my heart and be transformed over and over and over. So let me encourage you. I'm going to read this one last scripture. I can quote it. I want to get it right. Romans 12 two, right? Don't be conformed to the world. Let's just read it together. Uh, do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed. Okay. We're going to get to transformation and I'm going to, go, I'm going to do some teaching on this as we move forward. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what the will of that, what, what is the will of God? What is good and acceptable and perfect? You know, what Paul's saying here, he's saying the will of God is good and acceptable and perfect. And guess what? You are the will of God. You are it. So if you're out there and you're wondering what you should do next in life or you're, you're having questions or it's hard, you're like, I just want to know the will of God. Just become the will of God. Don't be conformed to the world, Paul says. Don't, don't act like them. Don't be anti-everything. Don't be defensive about your church and your, all the things that you believe in because other people don't. You're going to, and what's deconstruction and, oh my God, and you people can't read this person or that person. Stop all that, right? Make sure you're grounded in the word of God, but make sure you're getting good perspective from Holy Spirit on what you're reading and why Jesus was doing what he was doing. And that if you're reading the Old Testament and you need to make it metaphorical or you need to make it uh, whatever poetic and you don't believe that it's literal, you're wrong. And and it's not about being right and wrong. Uh, It was literal and it was poetic and it was all the things. Right. If you don't find Jesus in every single part of the Old Testament, you're reading the Old Testament wrong. And in the desert, here's a great little here's a great little way to say it. When Jesus got called into the desert. And he was tempted by Satan. It wasn't Jesus quoting Deuteronomy. It was Jesus was quoting what he had written. Okay. Now, let me say that a different way. Jesus quoted Deuteronomy, but Jesus had written it. So Deuteronomy was quoting Jesus. Jesus was all through. He was there at the beginning. He's all through everything of the Old Testament, if you read it properly. This is what I mean by fresh, good perspective. Okay, and then you find Jesus, obviously, all through the New Testament as well. And it all works and fits when you're with him. And let me end with this. The the pastoral overpastoring of the church has overcoddled us and still very needed, beautiful. But we need the other gifts. We need the apostolic and the prophetic. We need the teaching gift. We need we need the evangelical the, the, the evangelistic gift and not the way we've been evangelizing, not in fear, not to try to get people saved from hell and into heaven, but to be transformed by this love of who God actually is. When we, when we operate in those, now I've never seen an apostolic team. So Ephesians four, go read. It's really clear. You have those five gifts, which are offices. So you've got all the gifts in Romans 12, You've got nine gifts there. You've got nine gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. You've got, you've got these nine gifts, and then you've got the nine fruits of the Spirit. It's a balance of the gifts. I believe there's thousands of more gifts that we can operate in. But those are really good base gifts to, to, to go in. And Ephesians 4 is talking about the office gift, the prophet, the apostle. I've never seen an apostolic team operate. We've been close a couple of times in our teams. 
I think the closest thing we probably have of an apostolic kingdom team working is the Bethel guys, Bill Johnson and Chris Valentin and Danny Silk and those guys are operating really well and been doing it for over 30 years and are in true covenant. Um, but I think it's a generational thing. I think there's an apostolic anointing on a generation. I think there's a prophetic anointing that comes. But guys, when somebody brings a prophetic perspective, don't throw it out just because it doesn't fit your pastoral perspective. Does that make sense? Make sure you're sitting with it with Holy Spirit and saying, okay, wait a minute. Is there some truth in this that I need to see that I haven't seen before? Okay. That's all I'm asking. That simple. Love you guys. Thank you for all the feedback. I love the comments on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and all the things. Keep sending them. Keep challenging me. Keep questioning me. I love all of that. I love you guys. And I love just doing this as the body of Christ. Okay, make sure you go to GaryandLisaBlack.com. Uh, we, we do raise our support there, our monthly support through our foundation that we started in Michael's name. Uh, if you're not joining us on a monthly basis, please do. We need to raise our monthly support quite a bit being here in America. Our Patreon site's there, this exclusive video that you're watching right now, early release before the podcast comes out. You can join us for a buck a month, 10 bucks a month, a thousand bucks a month, whatever you want. And you'll get exclusive content from both Lisa and I in that place. And then look for the launch of our new website, probably early next week, maybe later this week. Um, it's going to have our we're, all of our stuff that we're doing moving forward. You're, and you'll be able to buy courses uh, on premarital and all those kind of things. Hey, God bless you guys. Thanks for being a Black Tribe podcast listener. And we will talk soon.